I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 17 weeks, 4 quarters, 60 minutes. And it all leads up to one winning, winning try. Welcome back to the Winning Drive Podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick on 105.7 The Fan. And I'm Cordell Woodland, uh, beat reporter for the Baltimore Ravens on 105.7 The Fan and host of Shaking It Up Sports on that same station. And a lot of a couple of things have happened uh, in a short period of time from the last time that we spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a situation where we talked about the offensive line um and we talked about how many people you know were available on the offensive line um and then shortly thereafter the ravens made a cut and um to me it's a little bit surprising in in terms of who it was so the ravens uh let go tyree phillips a guard who started 13 games in 2021. Um, Previously, you and I talked about the fact that they had 11 offensive linemen. What exactly were they doing? So obviously this makes it down to 10. Um, But I I am questioning this cut, Cordell, because um, I just don't really feel like he fully developed into a guard because he got moved around so much last season. And I really felt like this was a guy that could be coached up um, and done well. And and so now you have a situation where Ben Cleveland is still on the roster, Ben Powers is still on the roster, but Tyree Phillips is not on the roster. And I'm confused. So uh, maybe you can give me a little bit more insight because you're always at the facility in terms of practice. Why was Tyree Phillips let go? Well, I thought I think it was a combination of things. Uh, number one, they definitely were trying to trade him and just simply couldn't get a deal done with anybody. Um, I think that's part of the reason why we saw him playing a lot of left guard and really moving them all around the offensive line throughout preseason and training camp was so that they could put as much of his quote-unquote versatility on tape for teams to see and try to sell him as like this utility lineman. Um, But they couldn't get any takers. It seemed like maybe they had a couple of teams interested, but ultimately nothing happened. 
And I think that in combination with his injury history and his the penalties that he was racking up through the preseason, um, it, it just wasn't in the cards for him. And this is a guy that was a third round pick in the 2020 draft. And it's not like seeing, uh, it's, it's not usual to see the Ravens kind of throwing the towel on a lot of their own draft picks. This is a DaCosta pick at right. that. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely weird to see. I didn't expect to see Tyree Phillips let go, um, but it doesn't, I'm not going to say I'm super, super surprised. Um, they well, do still have 10 guys on this offensive line. A lot of young guys, you mentioned Ben Cleveland still there. They're still, it looks like they're going to give Ben Cleveland one more chance. And Ben Cleveland, while I had low expectations for him going into this preseason, he he actually played somewhat decent out there. I, I think with Phillips, it was the, the penalties were just, you, you can't have it. At the on the offensive line, it's, it's really a backbreaker, and he it kind of started to, uh, it, it it was like a given with him. Now it started to become that way to where you expected Tyree Phillips to start to start racking up penalties each game because that's what was happening, and that's not the kind of reputation you want. Um, so I, I think it turned out to be a numbers game. They did wave him. Harb said on Wednesday that. He's hoping to kind of get Tyree Phillips back. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, offensive linemen are a hot commodity in the NFL right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if another team jumps in and snags him off the waiver wire. Uh, but who knows? Um, but you look at this offensive line, and there are a ton of questions all over the place. Obviously, with Ronnie Stanley not being fully back and Harbs letting it be known that on Wednesday that Stanley was out there for a part of practice just before the media was able to come out. Conveniently, he was gone. Once the media comes out, do with that information what you will. Uh, <laughs> you know, we it was question marks with this team having 11 offensive linemen to begin with to crack the 53-man roster. I didn't expect Phillips to be the odd man out, but it seems like that's that's the case. And, but and I agree. Um, I think we all knew at some point they were going to have to, you know, downgrade the number. And I thought it was going to be like they were going to make some moves, like you know, putting Falele on IR and and such. I guess I'm just surprised that it, it was a straight up, you know, waiver situation as opposed to you know moving some moving and shaking some things around. While I agree with you that you know penalties was an issue for him, I wonder if it's a you know my thing is is like he, this is a guy that I. I don't think was fully developed as a player because he had to move around so much. And so, you know, stuff like that, I think can be fixed in terms of, you know, um, penalties and such. I am not confident in either Ben, whether it's powers or whether it's Cleveland. So, you know, I, I felt like Phillips had more of an upside um, than the two. And it, look, I heard what you said about Cleveland. Fine. But powers. You got to sell me on this one, Cordell, because I'm that's the one I think I'm more confused about more than anything. Well, well Powers was pretty decent throughout uh, training camp and preseason. I don't even think Powers suited up for the last preseason game, so that was pretty telling right there that the left guard competition was pretty much complete. Uh, Greg Roman kind of let the cat out the bag a little earlier in training camp saying that Ben Powers was the lead guy. 
at the left guard spot. And that wasn't surprising if you had been you had been out to training camp a lot. And every time you saw Ben Powers at left guard, um, at right. least with the starting group. Um, now, right. when you get to the preseason games, it was different. I think that was, again, them trying to show versatility with Tyree Phillips, as well as show versatility with Ben Powers, who I believe that they were honestly trying to trade as well. Ben Powers played right guard, center, left guard. They wanted to show everywhere that he could play just to try to shop shop him around. I think they were trying to shop a couple of these offensive linemen and simply couldn't do it. The, the offensive line did not look good throughout the preseason, the guys that they threw out there. They didn't throw a right. lot of the starters out there often, but the backup guys that they threw out there and the bubble guys, they didn't look good. You saw a, the run game was completely non-existent, completely. The passing game, sure, they had their moments, uh, but it's, it's like, you know, when you look at the Ravens, and you you know what kind of style they like to play on the offense. The run game is the forefront of that, and they couldn't yeah. they couldn't get any push uh, in the trenches. Is it is funny you mentioned Tyree Phillips being moved around to a lot of spots and whether or not that played a factor. And I actually asked him that same question uh, when we spoke to him at the podium during training camp about the fact of is it tough to focus on getting better at a certain position, knowing that he's in the left guard competition, but yet you're being moved all over the place. Right. And, and he made it seem like it wasn't an issue that, you know, football is football. And he wanted to learn as many positions as possible to, I guess, make the, the possibility of him getting on the field that much greater. But ultimately it could be a factor in why he couldn't develop the way that they wanted him to at the left guard spot uh, among yeah. other spots that they were moving him around to. I mean, he's essentially played almost every position along the offensive line. Um, so they, and, and again, all of this, I think is because of Ronnie Stanley, not being there. This is why you have guys on, especially on the left side of the line, having to play a lot of mix and matching because they're trying to fill that gaping hole uh, on the left tackle spot and it's spreading down the entire left side of the offensive line to where you don't really have too many guys in their natural position right now. Because a lot right. of people were asking for Tyree Phillips to be potentially the left tackle this year. And that's not the case. The question to me, and I know we're talking about Tyree Phillips, but just looking at this offensive line, it's just kind of surprising to me that a guy like Patrick McCarry is just going to be the odd man <laughs> out of this starting group um, because he was, borderline your best offensive lineman last year, albeit right. in the right tackle spot. But you would imagine that they would try to find somewhere along this offensive line to kind of put him. And he seems to be the guy that's going to be essentially the sixth man uh, for this offensive line group. And that's kind of surprising, especially when you look at Jawan James over at left tackle, who, again, he's another one playing out of position. Makari would be playing out of position if he played left tackle. I'm not saying put him over there. I'm just saying I, I'm just kind of surprised that they, 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 they didn't even try to go the route of Makari at right tackle, Moses at left tackle. Again, that'd be a situation where a guy's playing out of position, but I would probably feel more better about Morgan Moses at left tackle than I would Jawan James, but that's just me. Hey, I mean, listen, and Morgan Moses in the past has had his own issues in terms of um, penalties, but at the same time, he's a much better player. He's a vested player 
and Jawan James has a lot of question marks in terms of, you know, what, how he's going to handle that type of position. Um, I, I'm with you on Makari. Like, you know, that's another one that's kind of all over the place as well. Uh, but th- look, if you had to guess today, what this offensive line is going to look like week one, and obviously we're eliminating Phillips out of this position, are we suggesting it's going to be James, Powers, Linnebaum, uh, Zeitler, and Moses? Is that where we're going with this? That's That's what I'm looking at. Uh, that's what I'm looking at, at least for the first play, the first drive of of week one. Does does James make it through the whole game? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I don't I don't foresee Stanley playing week one. I think at this point it's a question of is he going to play week two or is he going to play week three? Uh, yeah. that's that's where we are in my mind right now. But as far as the guys that are going to start, yeah, I, I think Juwan James is going to get every opportunity to show that he can kind of be that band-aid over at left tackle they want to see him do it they like his athleticism they like his upside even though you haven't been able to really get him on the field the last couple of years and he's moving from right to left uh as well this is just it's a sticky situation because I felt like the Ravens kind of almost fumbled the bag this offseason by not looking to address this left tackle spot by not looking to actually have a contingency plan and I guess Jawan James is their contingency plan but I feel like they had enough time to kind of come together with a better contingency plan than Jawan James over at left tackle you had the entire draft you had all of free agency you had some guys get let go throughout preseason I mean there were a lot of options uh at their disposal and it just seems like they turned them all down for Jawan James and yeah. we'll, we'll see if those end up panning out. Uh, but I, I think when it's all said and done, again, I expect Stanley to be back at some point within the, at least the first four to five games, because if not, they should have put him on the pup list. So if Stanley misses four games at least, that's going to be another issue because you yeah. got the guy taking up a roster spot, and yep. he's not even out there. And Harb said some stuff on Wednesday listening to his cuts in conjunction to what he said in the past as far as this Ronnie Stanley situation. And it has led me to believe that Ronnie Stanley is simply not on the field because he doesn't want to be on the field yet. Not that he <laughs> doesn't want to the, play, did, I not tell, did I not tell you that? I mean, I've been, I've, been saying, I've been saying the same thing, but it's like Harv's words are basically solidifying those thoughts because it's a lot of, he's not even using the words trainers anymore. It's, well, Ronnie didn't come out or whenever Ronnie wants to come out here, he'll be out here type stuff. It's a lot of onus being put on Ronnie when you listen to the words Harbs is saying. He's not mentioning any of the doctors. He's not mentioned too many of the trainers. It's a lot of basically we're waiting on Ronnie. And I don't think Ronnie Stanley is in a situation right now where he feels like he needs to rush himself back. Got you. And I listen, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I felt that way the other day when we talked about it on the podcast. It's like, look, he got his money. So what is the rush for him? You know what I mean? He's going to do it on his own pace. And there's nothing the Ravens can do about it to force him to come back sooner. And that's just what it's going to be. So until then, Jawan James is going to be the guy. And guess what? We just going to have to pray about it <laughs> because mm. uh, we don't know how this is going to go. So, right. hey. You know, let's just hope and pray that this is temporary, number one. 
And number two, um, this doesn't last uh, long um, in terms of, you know, Ronnie Stanley being finally saying, well, all right, I'm, I'm available. And three, that if it, if it is a situation where he's not 100%, uh, smack somebody upside the head mm-hmm. <laughs> over there at the castle because, like you said, there's a roster spot here that you literally could have used uh, and put somebody on the pup list, somebody me and Ronnie Stanley, as a result to hold the hold down the fort. So uh, as the, the offensive line saga continues, I guess. <laughs> yes, we'll, it, def- we'll it definitely continues. <laughs> Definitely continues. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, before we get into the next topic, remember to subscribe to Winning Drive wherever you listen to your podcasts. Marcus Peters, Cordell, he finally had an opportunity to speak to the media um, about his recovery process, and this is what he had to say. That feels good, man. Get back on the field, man. I missed it. I had football taken away from me earlier in my uh, in my life, you feel me? I couldn't play football in my 10th grade year. My injury was that my mama told me I couldn't play. But mom's, you know, she took it away from me, man. And, you know, uh, I got got to play back my my, uh, junior, my junior year, and things got, got rolling for me, man. I got some scholarships going on. and So, you feel me? Football is just a game, man. It's something that I love to do, but just couldn't do it last year. So, obviously, he's excited to be back. You know you're excited to be back when you bring up the fact that your mama Mm-hmm. let you play football in the 10th grade right. and you did not forget that because I know Marcus Peters at this point is a grown man that had to be at least 10-15 years ago right. well at least 10 years ago that that happened so good to see that he is excited to come back obviously Peters coming back is huge for this defense we don't know when he's going to play I, I, of course um, if he's even going to be available week one but whenever he comes back Cordell I know that this is a big deal for this defense simply for the fact that we know the struggles that they went through last year. They were dead last um, in pass defense, and I'm sure they were bottom of the barrel as well in terms of turnovers and interceptions. And a lot of that has to do with Marcus Peters because the ball hawk is the guy that, you know, will get to the ball. And he allowed uh, Marlon Humphrey to do his thing in the process of doing that. So this this is a huge situation of the return of Marcus Peters whenever he gets back on the field. No doubt about it. I mean, Marcus Peters is a big part of this Ravens defense in itself. And you saw all the downsides of not having Marcus Peters on the field last year. And it's crazy because I've heard people in the past kind of talk down on Peters at times because he can kind of go rogue on the field and he can abandon the play call and he'll just trust his instincts. 
looking to make a play. I don't I don't knock Marcus Peters for that. I, the NF, this game in the NFL is a game that is made for the offense, is made for the receivers to win. And you can't always stay on script if you want to kind of force a turnover, if you want to be that type of playmaker and make game-changing plays. You're not going to always be able to stick with the play call. Marcus Peters is a guy that obviously watches enough film to, to know what he's saying, to be able to do the things that he does. And so, number one, we said it the other day, I joked about the Ravens at one point having too many tackles, and now they have none. And now, last year, you saw a situation where the Ravens had are one of the few teams in the league, maybe not anymore because the AFC is just completely reloaded this year. But right. Going into last year, the Ravens were one of the few teams in the league that had two potential lockdown corners on their team. And Marcus Peters not being there, it hurt. Uh, for starters, it hurt the attitude of the Ravens defense. Marcus Peters comes with a whole nother attitude uh, that this defense kind of embraces and turns into their own. They're just a tough, physical, not taking no BS type defense. Uh, and you think of Marcus Peters just the dude that, you know, in that playoff game against the Titans, he gets the interception, he goes, he stomps on the, the logo. He's ready to fight the whole team if he has to. <laughs> you know, that, like that's, that's who he is. But then you see Marcus Peters not on the field, and I'm watching that game last year. I think it was the first game against the Bengals where, like, Samaj, the, the Bengals are pretty much giving it to the Ravens at this point, and Samaj P. Ryan breaks off, like, a 55-yard touchdown run up the middle of the field. And for the first time maybe in my life, I said, Man, the, the Ravens quit. Like, that looked like a defense that quit out there. We're talking and about I, the first Bengals game, right? Yeah, the first, the first yes. Bengals game. I agree. Like, yep. I, like, I have never said that in my life. And Marcus Peters is a dude, like I said, he brings that attitude. He brings that fight. And you talk about this defense living off of turnovers the last few years. It, Marcus Peters is a big part of that. He's usually somehow, some way, shape, and form involved in that turnover. Um, so they they missed his presence, definitely. You even saw it affect, I think, Marlon Humphrey, because Marlon, even when he was on the field, he wasn't his usual aggressive self. Marlon had to play real conservative because he's the only reliable cornerback on the field, really. So if he gets beat, it's a wrap. So uh, I, I just think adding Marcus Peters back to this group on top of all the guys that they added in Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, Pepe Williams, Jalen Armour Davis, whenever we see him, and Marlon Humphrey, uh, who's who's now back in that full strength with this defense, I, I expect this secondary to get back to the form that we're used to seeing, and everybody was feeling like this could potentially be the best secondary uh, in the league. And with Peters, a full strength Peters out there, that's a huge possibility. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I love the, I love his personality. He brings a lot of fire to this defense and at that position, you need that. You need somebody that's going to, you know, Hey, get it lit a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And we love Marlon, but Marlon ain't to get it. He ain't to get it lit type of dude. He goes out and does his job. Don't get me wrong. He brings his pail, you know, his, his lunch pail and he goes to work. But, you know, his personality is a little bit different, whereas Marcus Peters is very, he's a very fiery guy. You know, he talks a lot of trash. He likes to get into, you know, his opponent's head. And that's that's his game. That's a part of his game. And 
that was so missed last year. And obviously we know that injuries played a huge role into what we saw from the secondary. So you really do hope that the the retooling of the secondary with all the additions that you've mentioned, whether it be free agency or whether it be through the draft, in addition to Marcus Peters becomes a big deal for this team because they're going to need it. Another thing too is coaching, right? You have now a different defensive coordinator. Maybe you're not in a position where you are being put on an island and you don't Mm -hmm. need to be put on an island because we saw a lot of that last year with guys that was off there on the streets. So if you don't necessarily have to do that and you bring back Marcus Peters, who's a ball hawk, I do think that the secondary, not only is it a revamped one, but it's going to be one of the better secondaries in the entire league. Oh, yeah, I I definitely believe so. And what I like a a lot about Marcus Peters being back is I've said it before. I think Pepe Williams is like a younger version of Marcus Peters. I think he's a Peters is the perfect person to kind of help take Pepe Williams's game, to the next, you know, yeah, a little like, bit. yeah, he's already got that Peter's type of personal personality. He's a talker. He's cocky. He's a, he's not the Pepe's not the biggest guy out there, but man, he, he, he backs it up. He, he shows up and plays bigger than he is. And I, I, uh, he's, as far as his style of play on the field, he's a, he's a guy that looks to, 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 to gamble a lot. He's looking to kind of, intercept the ball he's looking to force a turnover do anything to change the dynamics of the game Peters is is perfect for that I I I really like adding him to the mix because he'll be even for Kyle Hamilton who I thought showed signs in college of being that kind of ball hog being that guy that that hunts the big play and looks for that type of turnover Peters can even help that dude in terms of being able to trust what he's seeing, because I think that's something that Kyle Hamilton is kind of struggling with right now is simply just trusting his eyes and acting off of what he sees. Peters can kind of give him that reassurance to, Hey, look, you're not always going to be right now. It's different being a gambler at the safety position, as opposed to being a gambler at the cornerback position, you know? So I'm not saying I want Kyle Hamilton to be the level of gambler that that Peters is because if so, if he misses and he's wrong, the defense is in trouble. So it's a different dynamic there. Uh, but I, I just like the uh, having Peters there and what he brings to this, uh, just again, to the attitude of not just the defense, but to the secondary group. Uh, you, you just look at, uh, especially with the the question marks of the pass rush and everything, you yep. have some guys in the back that can cover, if nothing else. I'm not saying that they can cover forever, but you got some guys that can definitely run with these receivers that they're going to face. And after watching the Bengals do what they did to the Ravens last year, and Ooh, they, they just talk about <laughs> it all off season, every every chance they get. They they bring that they bring up the Ravens, man. I mean, it's it's different when 24 is on the field. So I'm really excited to see what they look like uh when they face off against the Bengals twice this year. And it allows um Kyle Hamilton, who, you know, I know that they wanted to move him around and do some different things defensively. It allows him to kind of roam and do some things. Um, I don't think that he would be able to do what the Ravens want him to do, uh, if they did not have a full, you know, a Marcus Peters available to help him out and bail him out if he needs to. Right. So Mm -hmm. now you don't need, now you have Kyle Hamilton. He can do, he can, you know, go after the quarterback. He can do, you know, if he got to go after the tight end, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? But 
I don't I just think that, you know, what he was able to do would be limited if Marcus Peters was not on the field. So now if you get a full speed Marcus Peters, you have an opportunity to just use your defense the way you want from a secondary perspective, of course. Right. So uh, that that changes how, you know, things will be done um, on the defensive backfield. So, yeah, I am excited to see how this goes. I'm excited to see how Marcus Peters responds to the Bengals since you mentioned yeah. them because they did the most this yeah. offseason in oh, terms yeah. of talking trash, even though they knew that they was playing against second, third, fourth, fifth right. stringers. And look, guess what? It ain't their, it's not their business to care, but mm-hmm. you was doing a little too much knowing mm-hmm. that you was playing with, against guys that was off the street. Marcus Peters ain't yeah. no dude off the street, and 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 he's worth every penny in this defense. Yeah, Sunday night, week five in Baltimore's is going hey, to man. Uh, fireworks are going to they're going to be popping in that ready. game. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, that's that's definitely one of the games that I'm essentially looking forward to right now. It's just that first game against the Bengals because. I mean, the, the Bengals gave it to the Ravens last year both times, both times, yeah, albeit a lot of injuries on the secondary, albeit the offense had their issues too. Uh, but, I mean, you know, that was just a situation of little brother finally being able to beat big brother. And, Absolutely. And they, and then they didn't let up. They took it to them each time. And I'm I'm not mad at it because you're not, you know, it's obviously it, for the Bengals, they know it's not every year that you're in a position to be able to just dominate uh, a team like the Ravens uh, the way that they did in both of the games. So, I mean, I, I'm not upset with the Bengals, but it's just like sure. I keep saying about them, you're, you're they're not going to catch anybody by surprise this year. I want to see what happens when, you know, everybody knows what to expect. They know you got the arguably the best receiving core in football. I'll give them that. They got a dangerous offense in general. Joe Mixon is far from a scrub. Joe Mixon is a borderline elite running back in this league. Joe Burrow, I mean, the dude the dude is elite at this point in my mind. Joey B gets it done. Um, so it's going to, it's not going to be easy even still with Peters and all these guys coming back, but it'll be more of the type of competitive uh, matchup that we expected to see, you know, with the Ravens being back at hopefully being cl- at least close to full strength um, when they go up against the Bengals. The Bengals aren't going to be out there running routes against the scout team players n- anymore. <laughs> well, before the Bengals game, they got the Bills game. So we right. got to make sure that that game is going to be because uh, those guys, you know, those wide receivers, obviously, Stephon Diggs is over there and such. So that and they got the Dolphins before the Bills, you, you oh, know, right? I mean, Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah. So there's that. I think I think people kind of overlook the Dolphins um, because you know Tua doesn't have the arm that Josh Allen or Joe Burrow has. So, but at the end of the day, they still have Tyreek Hill. We know what Tyreek Hill can do to, to around. It. Tua can hit an open receiver, man. Tua is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football history. You know, he can hit an open guy. I don't care where he's running at. People, a lot of people underestimate Tua. I don't. I think his only yeah. knock is definitely his health. He has health issues. But as far as what he can do on the field, I like Tua. We'll see what happens now. He's got a, a bunch of speed out there that the Ravens are going to have to deal with. But 
Um, social media likes to crack jokes on everybody. I mean, of course, two, of course, you know, two, two is no different. But I, I think when it's all said and done, that, that's a dude that I, I at least respect. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the Winning Drive podcast feed wherever you hear your podcasts. Yeah. All right. So, so back to the AFC North. We talked about the Bengals, obviously, and 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 you said it perfectly. Where the Bengals are, the they were the little brothers who have now, you know, found their way to compete with Big Bro, right? And that's where we are with the Bengals and the Ravens. But there's two other teams in the division that we, you know, don't talk about much, right? And a lot, and I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback situation. We know mm-hmm. with the Steelers, um, Ben Roethlisberger uh, has retired, so they are riding with Trubisky or Pickett. I'm assuming Trubisky's going to start, but Pickett is going to be his, you know, backup until they decide to put Pickett in the game. And then, of course, the situation in Cleveland where Deshaun Watson is not playing for 11 games. And uh, I'm assuming Jacoby Brissett is going to be the guy that we see. But seriously, is it really just the Ravens and the the Bengals? Should we be concerned about the Steelers? Because at the end of the day, they still have a Mike Tomlin. Should we be worried about the Browns? Because they do have a, a decent offensive core over there. Like, how do we view the other teams in our division? I think you have to somewhat worry about the Steelers because they do have talent. It's, now, the yep. offensive line is the biggest question mark. The offensive line stunk last year. And I've talked to guys like Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, who is like, he knows his stuff about the Steelers. And he, and I've talked to somebody else from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette as well, that it echoed Ray's sentiments of this offensive line stinks. Uh, (laughs) It just just is what it is. The offensive line in Pittsburgh right now stinks. Uh, So obviously that's a huge concern. Uh, for any NFL team, because if you can't win in the trenches, you're probably not going to win on the scoreboard. Um, yep. So, uh, and, and the, the Steelers are in a situation right now. They do have talent at the skill possessions. The receiving group, they do nothing but reload. Uh, they lose Juju Smith, Juju Smith Schuster to the Chiefs, uh, but they add George Pickens from Georgia, right? And they right. snag him later in the in the draft and. Everybody that I've talked to about George Pickens that covers the Steelers have all raved about this dude, said he has been spectacular in camp. Uh, a lot of people kind of expect George Pickens to maybe uh, outshine Chase Claypool, who's going into his third wow. year, and Claypool kind of takes that step back. We'll see. 
Uh, but everybody loves George Pickens as a talent out there, and 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 they've been uh, pleasantly surprised uh, with him. And even with the quarterback situation, Trubisky's a huge question mark. Obviously, he's on his third team now. Um, but Trubisky has had moments in the past to where he can throw for those 300-yard games. He is somewhat mobile. I, I think he's in a better situation uh, now that he's been. Obviously, anything's better than Chicago. Uh, and he's out here in Pittsburgh. He has a receiving core. He has a stud at the linebacker. I mean, at, at the running back with Najee Harris uh, back there. I mean, they could do some things offensively uh, if the offensive line can hold up. On the defensive side, this is a defense that everybody I've talked to knows that this Nasty. could be possibly the best defense in football. They've got the Nasty. reigning defensive player of the year and TJ Watt over there. They've got yep. Minka Fitzpatrick. They added Larry Ogunjobi. They added Miles Jack. You know, like the, the Steelers are loaded on that side of the ball. So you can't count them out. The AFC North games are always gritty, nasty, and ugly. That bodes yep. well for the Steelers to make it that way, especially when you yep. look at the Ravens-Steelers games. They're always ugly. They're never pretty to watch. Uh, never. It's, it's just like you you love it just because that's their that's their style of play when those two teams uh, go up against each other. But yeah, you look at it, uh, you know, the, the 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 Bengals that we've talked a lot about. Obviously, we know what we have there with those guys reigning AFC champs offenses back and reloaded. They kind of invested a little more into that offensive line this year. Uh, the defense, I think the defense was underrated last year. We'll see if they could kind of back it up this year and do it again. Um, but you can't over, you can't sleep on those guys anymore. Plenty of talent. The only team in this division that I'm kind of overlooking right now are the Browns because Jacoby Brissett, I, you can't sell me on Jacoby Brissett having to go <laughs> play 11 games and they come out with like a, an above 500 record in that span. Really? I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't okay. see it. They got the running game. They definitely have the defense, uh, the pass rush and miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney is still there. Um, yeah. but I, I just don't, you gotta be able to score. You gotta be able to score at some point. You're going to have to throw the ball. And I just don't, Jacoby Brissett has never been a statistical guy. He's been a game manager at best. I mean, his job is to literally go out there and and just not blow the game. So right. if you're if you're looking for him to to do some of the stuff that that Deshaun Watson can do, it, you're not going to get that. And I think that the Browns have pretty much handcuffed themselves in this situation because not even just with going out and getting Watson, but they completely ruined their relationship with Baker Mayfield. Um, yeah. And to the point to where you had to go all the way down to option C, which is Jacoby Brissett. And I, I just feel like they've gone about this quarterback situation the wrong way from the beginning. Um, and it's going to end up biting them once the season comes. I agree. I mean, they handled this all wrong. Even if you didn't think that, um, you know, Baker Mayfield was the future. I mean, he had a fifth year option. You could have rolled that out and then said, see you later. So now you're stuck with a guaranteed contract for a guy that did not play at all in 2021 and he will play, not play for the majority of 2022 as well um and 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 you know with some issue with off the field issues clearly but also how do you even know that Deshaun Watson is going to be good when he comes back how do you know he's been so far removed from playing football on a regular basis 
and he didn't play well really in the preseason games. So, and he's not even playing against starters in the preseason games, and he's not playing that well. So, I, I, the Browns are a mess. However, they have they have things in place. <laughs> That's the funny part. They have the running game. I know that they traded for Amari Cooper. They gave Njoku that uh, extension, which was more money than Mark Andrews, um, which he didn't deserve, but whatever. Um, and so, and then, like you said, they got some good defensive guys there, but the quarterback position is the biggest question mark because what are, you, what are they going to do? What exactly do we expect them to do? I think they got Josh Rosen as well as a backup, yeah. essentially. So, I mean, you know, 11 games. Look, if they go six and five, dog, that is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Because, I, because I, you know, that I don't know what their schedule looks like, but, I, you know, I have to assume because they play the same teams that we do for the most part outside of uh, two, three teams, you know, it's going to be a dog well, fight. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a gauntlet. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They start off against the Panthers. Going up against okay. Baker Mayfield, against ba- and so Baker already got Baker's probably yeah. going to play the game of his life, the revenge won. game. Well, he's already said he, was, he already said he was going to f him up. You know what I'm saying? So, oh well, see, there it is. There, there you go with that. Then they got the Brown. Uh, I'm sorry, not the Browns. The Browns play the Jets after the Panthers. Uh, then the Steelers, the Falcons. Here's where it gets very tough: Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals. Dolphins, Bills, Bucks, and that's and then Watson returns that next against game Texans. against the Texans. Yeah, good luck to y'all. Okay, um, maybe uh, maybe three wins. I don't know. Maybe, I, I, maybe. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. We I don't know how this is going to work, but this that'll be interesting. Back to the Steelers. I agree with like they're such a well-run organization. Um, and then they still have the stability of coach with, with Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. They're another organization that sticks to what they do, which is they're going to run the ball. They're going to play play action. So I don't expect that to be any different, which, you know, if Trubisky is the starter, I think he will probably do well in that situation. They're going to they're going to need a little bit more from Najee Harris, which I think that you could assume that they'll probably get that from him. Um, and then there's the situation of their defense. Um, and you already mentioned how great their, their their defense is and their wide receiving core. So even if it is Trubisky, this is probably the best wide receiving group that he's ever had anyway. So oh, they're easy. probably going to help him. So they're probably going to help him, you know, move along until because he's basically a seat filler for Kenny Pickett until he decides until until Tomlin decides to move on. If you know Trubisky struggles, so you can never count them out as well. Do I think that the Ravens are better? Yes, because I think that the quarterback situation is better, um, and so that changes things. But defensively, this team is so good that they're going to they're going to be in close games week in and week out, and that will include you know the Ravens. So. As much as we, I'd like to think that it's this, a Ravens, um, Bengals, you know, like they're going to gut it out. I really do think that the Steelers are a team that because that defense is going to be so good and because their wide receiving core is good, um, and I believe that they try to, up, up, you know, bolster up that offensive line, that we can't just not have them in the conversation at all. That would be uh probably silly on our parts if we decided to do that (laughs) yeah i mean i'm definitely not overlooking the stillers i think 
if I had to guesstimate now, I think that they would fall in third place right now. And that's not to say that they would be like four games behind uh, the next place uh, finisher in the division. But I, I think ultimately it probably will come down to the Ravens and the Bengals. And you look at the schedule, week 18, the Ravens finished their season in Cincinnati. That game could potentially be for the division uh, oh, right there when they when they face off. And I would imagine the game would be flexed uh, to a primetime game. And no! football in Cincinnati <laughs> or the division, I don't know. I I, I had to I, right now. I did it. I did like a little mock schedule uh, on my show the other day, and I believe I had the Ravens coming in. I want to say maybe 10 and seven on the year. I think I had them losing that final game in Cincinnati uh, because that's going to, that's going to be super tough to go into Cincinnati and beat them with the division on the line. You're going to get their best shot. Obviously they're going to get your best shot too, but I got to see it. I got to see it. The Ravens have got to show me something. I still, there's still a lot of question marks as far as this team right now uh, as, and and we're talking about question marks two key contributors on this right. team. Uh, so I can't today before the season starts with certainty say that I expect the Ravens to be better than the Bengals this year. I, I don't. The Bengals have right now, they're, they're the more healthy roster. They have all of their best players at their disposal right now. You know, the Ravens are missing their all pro left tackle. They're still missing their starting running back. They're still missing yep. – one of their starting cornerbacks. They're still missing uh, David Ajabo, who hasn't – I know he just joined the team, but they drafted him with the mindset that this is going to be a contributor right away whenever he can get on the field in the pass rushing department. So they're missing him. They're missing Tyus Bowser still. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's a lot of questions right now uh, with the Ravens. And uh, as we get closer to the season, guys are starting to seem like they're on the right path to get healthy. But until I see them on the field, I, I still believe that this is going to be the, the the Bengals division. Not by as much as it was last year. I do think it'll come down to that Week 18 game in Cincinnati with the Ravens and the Bengals, and we'll see what happens. But if, if I had to bet right now, I'm, I'm going to say the Bengals probably take it. Yeah, and, and look, maybe at the end of the year when the Ravens start getting got, you know, when Ravens uh, players come back and we start to see, you know, them come at full strength. Um, that will help them tremendously down the stretch. But, you know, starting off with the Ravens schedule, you know, and them not being 100%, uh, you do wonder how, if this is going to be a slow start for them um, and how they're going to respond moving along. Hopefully they can get some key guys back shortly. But at the very least, we know Gus Edwards isn't coming back anytime soon. He's on the pup list. Mm -hmm. Um, we might not see him, uh, you know, until week seven, potentially, um, if he's able to come back at all. And all so, right. you know, you already mentioned Ronnie Stanley and, and then, you know, who knows what J.K. Dobbins is going to do, if he's going to be li in limited uh, availability or not. So I, I agree. You, you do have to give it to the Bengals because of their situation. They are healthy. Um, they are more healthy than the Ravens are in that regard. Uh, but I do think that the Ravens and the Steelers will find a way to fight uh, to to at least, you know, look, it ain't going to be easy for the Bengals. No. I don't expect it to be like it was last year where they was just no. 
you know, kicking them around. And, and I don't around. think the Bengals will sweep the Ravens. I I, I think the, the Ravens will win that week. I think each team will win at home. If that makes okay. sense, I, I think each team each team will be able to take the home game. I think the Ravens split with the Steelers too. I would hope so. Look, at the, I would like a sweep for both on the right. Ravens' favor, but That'd you know, hey, it, if it doesn't happen, then you know it is what it is. We'll, we'll we'll figure it out, and hopefully, you can at the very least split the games because in this division, every you know every divisional game matters. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, so you you need to do as much as you can to keep yourself afloat in the division. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on the Winning Drive podcast. We will be back next week, and we're inching closer to the regular season. We will be less than a week away on our next podcast from week one against the Jets at the Meadowlands, and we're really excited about it. So thank you so much again for joining Winning Drive.